Good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> My name is Derek. If you could keep your Bibles open to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 to 7, that would be great. But before we go on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this privilege that we have of gathering to hear from your word and to respond accordingly. And we pray that you will help me to speak faithfully and truthfully according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple of weeks ago, Anna and her growth group decided to go on a girls' night out to watch a movie. And the movie they decided to watch was Bridget Jones' Baby. Now, nothing wrong with that. Not the kind of movie that I would watch. But if that's their thing, then that's their thing. And I was at home all to myself. And on TV that night was Australian Survivor. So I put Calvin to sleep. My world's at peace. I sit down to watch the show. And five minutes into the show, there's a blackout. My whole world plunges into darkness. No more survivor for me. It's amazing how much we depend on light, isn't it? Without light, our whole world plunges into darkness. When the Bible uses the language of light, it often symbolizes hope, goodness, and blessing. Over the past couple of weeks, we've seen how Judah plunged itself into a world of darkness. There was social darkness, the threat of destruction from the Assyrians up north. And not only was there social darkness, there was spiritual darkness as well. People turning away from God and turning to mediums and spiritists. Now, what about today? Are we in darkness today? While people might disagree about the extent to which we're in darkness, you can't deny that almost everybody thinks that there's something wrong in this world. Something's not quite right. Things aren't really the way they should be. People are seeking the light. The other day, I was talking to my neighbor, not a Christian. We were just chatting about the world news and what's been happening. And he said to me, this world needs hope. Even he could see that there was something wrong in this world. People are seeking the light. But it's just that people have a different understanding of where this light is to be found. And for many people, it sure isn't Christianity. For many people, religion is the darkness. Famous quote by Christopher Hitchens, religion poisons everything. The 18th century was the age of enlightenment, the age of reason. Now, a lot of good things came out of this age. A lot of new scientific discoveries, a lot of progress. And that's where people saw the light. Enlightenment. People thought they were enlightened. The light was to be found in science and in reason. 
not in Christianity, not in the church, not in religion, not in Jesus. Now we'll come back to this later. But you see, whatever you think the solution to all of this world's problems is, that's where you think the light is. It's faith. It's what you trust will make the world a better place. But the question is, does that light source measure up? And can that light provide you with the hope for the world that you're seeking? And so so today we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 to 7. What the Bible says is our only hope in this world of darkness. And I'm hoping that it will encourage all of us to know that there is true light to be found. There is a certain hope in this world of darkness. What is our only hope in a world of darkness? Isaiah 9, 1-7, it's an amazing passage. It's a beautiful passage. It contains the message of hope that we need to hear. It contains the message of hope that this world needs to hear. And it's only seven verses. And so what we'll do is we'll go through this passage verse by verse, and then we'll look at it in light of the New Testament and see how it applies to us today. In verse 1 to 2, we have the hope of light. The hope of light. Let me read verse 1 to 2. Nevertheless, there'll be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. Zebulun and Naphtali are at the north end of Israel, next to the Sea of Galilee. And it was there that the Assyrian conquest was experienced almost yeah, where, where it started. Now, the very place that the Assyrian conquest descended first, the very place where the darkness of the Assyrians descended first, is also the very place that the light will dawn. Now, verse 2 is interesting because the verse is written as though it's already happened. The people have seen a great light. A light has dawned. But Isaiah's writing to people who were currently in darkness, who were facing the threat of destruction from the Assyrians. And so what's happening? As Isaiah's prophesying, he's so certain that the light will dawn on Israel that he can write about it as though it's already happened. What is this light? What is this hope? Isaiah doesn't tell us just yet. He keeps us hanging. In verse 3 to 5, Isaiah tells us what will happen when this light dawns. What will happen when this light dawns. 
Verse 3, when this light dawns, there's going to be great rejoicing. Rejoicing before God as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Today, you might say, as the accountant rejoices when the financials are complete, as someone rejoices when they're on long service leave and they don't have to think about work, or as Matt Oates rejoices when he's watching the West Wing. You get the picture. There's going to be great rejoicing, great joy. And in verse 3, we see that God is the one who's going to bring it about. There's going to be great joy when the light dawns. And not only that, verse 4 to 5, when the light dawns, there'll be peace for God's people. Verse 4, For as in the day of Midian's defeat, ye have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. The Midianites in the book of Judges were defeated against all odds by Gideon and his 300. Now just as God set his people free from oppression in the book of Judges, Isaiah is telling us that God will set his people free from oppression when the light dawns. Verse 5, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. No more boots for battle. No more garments rolled in blood. There will be great peace when the light dawns. So verse 1 to 2, we read of the hope of light. Verse 3 to 5, we saw what will happen when this light dawns. And now in verse 6 to 7, Isaiah finally tells us the source of light. What is this light? Please look with me, verse 6. For to us a child is born... To us, a son is given. Really? The hope of this whole world rests in a child? Yes. And it's not the first that we've heard of this child. Isaiah told Ahaz in chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And we'll call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Who is this child? When this child is born, everything's going to be all right. The government will be on his shoulders. This child is going to take your burdens on himself. And this promised child will carry the burden of ruling and reigning over the nations. Who is this child? Verse 6. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor. If you ever need counsel or wisdom, you don't need to turn to spiritists. You shouldn't turn to spiritists. You don't need to turn to mediums. You shouldn't turn to mediums. This child will be Wonderful Counselor. You only need to turn to him. Mighty God. How can this child be God? 
You can't deny that that's what this passage says. This child will be mighty God. The will of God and the will of this child will be aligned as one. Everlasting Father, this child will be a father figure to many. He will nurture, care for, provide for, protect his people. And not only that, it will be everlasting. Prince of Peace, when this child comes, there will be peace for God's people. Who is this child? Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. His rule and his peace will have no end. And not only that, he's going to rule and he's going to reign with justice, with righteousness. From the time he arrives throughout all of eternity. Who is this child? He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. What's it mean that he will reign on David's throne? What's the importance of mentioning David's throne? This child will fulfill the prophecy that God made to King David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 to 13. Oh, let me read it out to you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. This anointed figure, this Messiah figure prophesied in 2 Samuel 7 is the promised child that Isaiah talks about. When this child comes, when this Messiah figure comes, the light will dawn. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. In other words, God is the one who's going to establish this child. Who is this child that comes in David's line? King Ahaz. King Ahaz was in David's line, but he wasn't a child. Some say he was King Hezekiah, Ahaz's son. Now, King Hezekiah, he did some really good things. He got rid of the high places where people would worship the pagan gods. He also restored temple worship. He trusted in God rather than in the Assyrians. So in some ways you can say that King Hezekiah was a partial fulfillment of this child figure. But it can't be completely Hezekiah because Hezekiah's kingdom fell. And also Hezekiah wasn't mighty God. Prince of Peace. When people in Isaiah's time read about this child, they were expecting that Messiah figure to come, this figure to come that would unite all the 12 tribes again and bring Israel back into its glory days, who would deliver and save Israel from their enemies. But this child never came. This child never came. 
God's people got kicked around like a ball. The Assyrians destroyed the northern kingdom. The Babylonians would go on to destroy the southern kingdom. And then next you had the Persians come in. And after the Persians, you had the Greeks. And then after the Greeks, by the time you get to the New Testament, you have the Romans. The Jews in the New Testament, they were waiting for this promised child. They were waiting for this Messiah figure to come who would be a military ruler, who would get rid of the Romans once and for all and bring Israel back into its glory days. Who is this child? Now let's just pause here for a second. Because we have to ask, what does this passage, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 to 7, have to do with us today? Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, was written approximately 8th century BC. What relevance at all does Isaiah chapter 9 have for us today? You see, just as God's people were in social darkness back then, we are in social darkness today. We're not facing the threat of destruction from some foreign enemy. But you can't deny that when you're on the internet, when your news feed shows you news, or when you're reading the newspaper or TV, whatever it might be, you can't help but see that there's something wrong in this world. And just as God's people were in spiritual darkness back then, we are also in spiritual darkness today. People aren't really interested in living God's way. Now suppose for a second that you had goggles, good-looking goggles like that. And they're not night vision goggles, but they are spirit vision goggles. And with these goggles, you could see any sign of spiritual life. If you put these goggles on, what would you see? You would see pitch black, with only small, tiny pockets of light here and there. Thousands around Epping living in darkness. Billions around the whole world living in darkness. The solution to darkness that people needed in Isaiah's time is also the solution to darkness that we need today. The hope of light that they needed is also the hope of light we need today. This gift of this prophesied child that they needed back then is also the child that we need today. This child is the key to salvation, hope, everlasting life, everlasting peace, Freedom from darkness. When this child comes, the light will dawn. Who is this child? 2,000 years ago, a child was born. And when this child was born, angels appeared to some shepherds in a field of all people. And this is what happened. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 to 11. The angel said to them, to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, 
in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. A child in the line of David, born in the most lowliest of circumstances, would come into the world and he would change the world forever. This child is Christ Jesus, the Lord, the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 4, we read how Jesus' early ministry and life revolved around the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, fulfilling what the prophet Isaiah spoke of in chapter 9. Jesus cries out also in his ministry, The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now, when people heard Jesus say that, they weren't confused. They didn't ask, what's Jesus talking about? What is this kingdom? Everyone understood what Jesus was referring to. Jesus was referring to the time when God would reestablish his kingdom, the time that the prophets wrote about, including Isaiah. They understood that Jesus was referring to the reestablishment of God's kingdom. But sadly, they had a misunderstanding of what that was to be. Jesus declares in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The child also in Isaiah, this child would carry our burdens on himself. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 29, Jesus tells all of those who are weary to come to him, to take on his yoke and to learn from him. For he is gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus takes care of our spiritual darkness. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 reads that God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his Son. Now what about social darkness? Some might say, Jesus doesn't look like much of a solution if there's still pain, suffering, war, chaos in this world. No, friends, Jesus' peace has already begun. In Jesus, God is reconciling people to himself, and God is also reconciling people to one another. Through Jesus, enemies are being made friends. And because Jesus has forgiven us, we too can forgive others. And when Jesus returns, there will be eternal peace. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is the promised child who brings true light. But we have to admit that most people nowadays don't see it that way. The 18th century Age of Enlightenment with its focus and emphasis on science and reason, led to the 19th century and early 20th century age of modernism. Modernism, a belief in human potential to advance the world and a rejection of religious belief. You don't need to follow the Bible, Scripture. You don't need to follow the church. The good in humanity, that's where the light is to be found. World War I changed that completely.
But people were still hopeful, though. People were still hopeful. Before World War I was called World War I, it was called the Great War, the war to end all wars. People were still hopeful in humanity. Did World War I end all wars? Sadly, World War II was just around the corner. The true light we need can't be found in humanity. Is the light to be found in education? Now, education has done a lot of good things in the world. I really value my education and the education I've received. Education helps people. It's why governments rightly spend so much money educating those who wouldn't otherwise be able to afford it. But there are problems that even education can't solve. Education can't make you love someone. That's a hard issue. Politicians are also often some of the most educated people in this world. And yet we don't often place too much hope in our politicians, do we? The true light we need can't be found in education. Is the light to be found in technology? Progress. Technology has done a lot of great things for us, hasn't it? It's eradicated diseases, it's globalised the world, it's made our lives so much easier and so much more. But sadly, as technology advances, it seems like people just find more and more corrupt ways to use technology. Child pornography, weapons of mass destruction. The true light we need can't be found in technology. Now, when we're talking with our non-Christian friends or neighbours, it's good to engage with them, to help them consider where they are seeking the light and to resonate with them because God is the creator of this world and so that means there is good to be found in God's creation. There is good to be found in humanity, in education, in technology and so forth. But friends, show them that Jesus is better, that Jesus is the solution to our social darkness and more than that, Jesus is the solution to our spiritual darkness. Jesus rids the world of doom, gloom, sorry. Jesus rids the world of distress. Jesus is the light that has dawned. Jesus is the child who was born. The government is on Jesus' shoulders. Jesus is wonderful counselor. Jesus is mighty God. Jesus is the figure, the father figure to many. Jesus is the prince of peace. Of the greatness of Jesus' government, there will be no end. Jesus will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. And so, friends, is your heart heavy today? Are you burdened? walking in darkness, struggling with sin and uncertainty in life, when you turn the TV on, when you read the news, does your heart break over the chaos and suffering that you see? The solution is Jesus. What is our only hope in a world of darkness? Our only hope in a world of darkness is Jesus 
the promised child, the anointed one, the Messiah, the light of the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you haven't left us in darkness, but you have given us the true light that we need in Christ. We thank you that Jesus is the light of the world. And we pray that we will always walk in Jesus' light and testify about this great light to a world that needs it. In Jesus' name, amen.